The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you've been tracking along with us, we have been in the Gospel of Luke now for almost two years. And as we continue to plug through it, we've had a couple opportunities to take sections of Scripture and actually package them in little mini-series. And Nathan actually started this series last week, if you were able to join us. And we, we're calling it Unexpected because in this last several verses of Luke chapter 17, Jesus is explaining to the best of his ability what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And it's a huge concept. It's not one that you just grasp and, and take hold of with a few words. And so Jesus is teaching on this. He'll teach on it again, even though he's a few weeks away from the cross. This is going to be a huge point that he wants his disciples to gather. Now, the conversation began last week, though, with Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And this is not uncommon. The Pharisees are questioning Jesus, asking, what is the kingdom of God going to look like? When is the kingdom coming? Where is it going to take root? How is it going to set up? What's the org chart going to look like? They're asking these questions, and Jesus just simply responds with what would have absolutely been unexpected. He goes, the kingdom of God is not exactly what you're thinking. The kingdom is actually going to be within you within those who believe. And, and as we saw and Nathan taught us, when, when the Holy Spirit takes root, so after Jesus' death and his resurrection, when the Holy Spirit comes, that is the empowering, that is the embodiment of the kingdom. The kingdom is within us. And in the verses we're going to look at today, we've only got a few. It's Luke 17, 22 through 25. In the verses today, we're going to see Jesus discuss the future kingdom. So the present kingdom, the one we currently are living in, is within us. But there's a future kingdom, a kingdom that he will usher in when he returns from his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father. There is a future kingdom coming, and he's going to address to his disciples now. We have an audience change. He's going to address to his disciples When will the future kingdom arrive? Okay, how will we know when it has arrived? How will it function? What's it going to entail? These are questions that Jesus in just a few verses is going to try to answer. And I think those are questions that we have as well. But let's just go ahead and jump in. Luke chapter 17, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. The time's coming when you will long to see me. Right now you've got me, but you're going to long to see me come back, but you will not see it. What a discouraging verse. What a discouraging sentence for the disciples. There's going to come a time very shortly when you're going to want me to be back with you so badly, and it's not going to happen. But it's important for us to understand when Jesus says, you will not see it. He's saying, you will not see it yet. If you look at how that verb is tensed in the Greek, you won't see it then, but you will. It's not that it won't ever happen. You're just going to want it, but you're not going to get to see it right then. Have you ever thought to yourself, golly, I, I just wish Jesus would come back right now. I just wish he would return right now. Let's put an end to this. Things have gotten way out of control. Have you ever personally had that moment? It's powerful when it happens. It's happened to me several times. Uh, I remember one of the biggest ones right after my mom passed away unexpectedly. I'm like, all right, Jesus, I don't really want to deal with this. So why don't you just go ahead and call her quits? Let's bring it on back. 
Let's, let's do this future kingdom now. I'm kind of done. I, I remember feeling that. Uh, sometimes it's little things, right? Like there's a, a bad Sunday at church. It's like, all right, I can't quit. But if you just came back now, then that would be the end. The buzzer would sound and, and it, we'd be done. Sometimes I even feel that after a good Sunday. It's like, hey, a lot of people came to know you today, Lord. Let's bring it back now. Let's just go ahead and end this now. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and I don't know about you, but I can feel this. He's saying to his disciples, what I'm calling you to is going to be a really hard life. There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens that you don't love. There's going to be a lot of things that I call you to do that you're not going to necessarily enjoy. And many times you will wonder, are we done yet? Jesus, where are you? Are we done now? Please just let us be done Many of you don't know this about me, but I was a standout freshman football player. You don't know this because you don't see it, but I was a standout freshman football player. In fact, I was such a standout, I got to stand out on the bleachers and cheer on the football team. And it happened because of summer weightlifting. I don't know if many of you got to experience the summer weightlifting program, but at a large school, that meant everyone went in at six o'clock in the morning. You had weight training. I'd never weight trained in my life. I weighed about 120 pounds. And after an hour of lifting weights and box jumps and squats and things, I saw the, I saw the fuzzies start to come on in. And I remember finally at the end of that, the coach said, okay, guys, rack the weights. We're done. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We're done. We get, we're five. I made it through my first workout. I was already planning on quitting football, but I made it through my first workout. He goes, we're done with that. Now we're going to conditioning. And I said, we have to be done. This cannot, I cannot go run now. I can't go do sprints. This is not possible. And I think the disciples knew as they moved into this next phase of their life, there were going to be moments where they went, wait, we have conditioning now? Wait, no, I can't, I can't do anymore. Jesus, you, you got to come. You got to call it. You got to call it right now. And the Lord is letting them know there's going to be these moments when you want to see me, when you really desperately want me to come back. But it won't be then. It won't be then. You're, you're going to have to keep going. The mission has to take place. I don't know about you, but there's definitely times in my life where I think it would be a good time for Jesus to come. I look around at the social unrest in our world. I look at the political unrest. I think about history. Some of you are old enough to remember this. Can you imagine how many people prayed in churches during the Cuban Missile Crisis? when the world was one button flip away from nuclear annihilation. Can you imagine how many people were praying, Jesus, you need to just come back now. This, if there was a good time, now would be a really good time for you to come so that we don't do something crazy here. I wonder how many people prayed that, how many people were wanting that. You think about during any of the world wars, the entire world is warring and people are just going, Jesus, if you were going to do it, now would be a really, really good time to come. What's going on? Jesus knew his disciples would be easily confused and easily betrayed by false rumors of his appearing, of his coming, of the kingdom having been ushered in and them not recognizing it. So Jesus wants to warn them. And that's what he does in the next verse, Luke 17, 23. He says to his disciples, people are going to tell you, there he is over there. Or, oh wait, here he is. Here he is right, right here. Do not go running off after them. Jesus is trying so hard to prepare his disciples for what's to come. 
in the first century, every other week, there was a rumor that Jesus had returned. Every other week. And they were able to spread because there was no internet. There were no newspapers. There was no way to take photographs. And you had to paint a picture in order to to capture a moment. So what happened is word of mouth, word of mouth. Hey, did you hear in Egypt? Did you hear in Egypt that that Jesus came back? Did you get that? And and your buddy comes and tells you that. Did you hear outside of Jerusalem the other day? they, they, They think they saw him. Yeah, it's a guy teaching just like him, looks like him. It's gotta be him. And Jesus says, when when your buddy comes to you, Jesus says to his faithful disciples, when you hear these rumors, don't go running. Stay on mission. Don't go running. Because you've got a huge task to do. And you can't be distracted by these rumors, these false proclamations. You cannot just stop doing what I'm leaving you here to do because you hear that I might be somewhere else. No, you can't do that. Your mission is too big and it will end when I come. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said to his disciples, this is after he had gone to the cross, died for the sins of the world, rose from the dead. He looks at his disciples. He gives them their great commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's your mission. You need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you. The kingdom is within you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. That last phrase, until I come back. Until my future kingdom is ready to take its place. Until the very end of the age, you stay on point. Don't let people confuse you. Now, Jesus goes on to say, I will make sure that my return is big enough that you will not miss it. It will be unmistakable in its grandeur, okay? You cannot miss it. And he illustrates it this way, Luke chapter 17, verse 24. For the Son of Man in his day, the day when he ushers in the future kingdom, the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning the huge lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. A dramatic visual picture that we can all understand because we've all seen it, we've all felt it, that lightning bolt that you don't even have to be looking at it. You can be faced the other way, but you feel it, you sense it, you cannot miss it. It's a very dramatic picture. However, (laughs) it's not a realistic picture. He's not saying, look for the big lightning bolt that goes from the Pacific to the Atlantic. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, hey, when I come back, no one, no one on this earth will miss it. So don't be alarmed if people say I'm here or I've come, I've returned. No, no one will miss it. And Matthew actually records a conversation that happens in the last week of Jesus' life. So this only happens, you know, two weeks later from now. But Jesus will have the same conversation again. Matthew records it. It's with his disciples. And this is how he describes his appearing, his return. It's no longer about lightning. He says this, Matthew 24, 30 and 31. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So it could be lightning, could be anything else. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. That sounds weird. But when Jesus returns, there's going to be, unfortunately, a lot of people that realize, oh no, 
oh no, that, that was right. I, I chose wrong. There's going to be a lot of people who mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. They literally, the whole earth can look up. All the tribes look up and they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from every cardinal direction, from one end of the heavens to the other. All will be gathered up. You can't miss this. And Jesus needs his disciples to know that. You don't need to be deceived by anyone claiming to be me. Because when I come, when I come to usher in my future kingdom, you'll know. The whole world will know instantly when that happens. Then Jesus gives one more key thing, one more key point. He's wanting to make sure that everyone realizes his future kingdom is a certainty, but there's much work to be done before that occurs. He says, hey, first of all, Luke 17, 25, but first, I must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. My future kingdom's coming, but my work here's not even done yet. We'll make it to Jerusalem here in a few, few weeks, and I'll be sold out and handed to the religious leaders. I will be crucified. I'll be rejected. I'll be spit upon. That all has to happen because that's all part of God's plan. And what Jesus is saying is something none of us like to hear. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But Jesus says, when you face that, when you face those hard moments, I want you to know, I want you to know that you have hope. I want you to know that because of my coming kingdom, you have hope. Jesus laid down his life for the sins of the world. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. He who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This world, it's not our home. Jesus wanted his disciples to know that. He wants us to know that there is a future home. There's a future kingdom that is great. It's a great reward for those who trust and obey in him today, for those who put their faith in him. Many times in this world, many times, you may say, come, Lord Jesus, come. I need you now to just wrap this thing up. It's getting to be too much for me. And he understands that. You would not be alone in that sentiment. You would not be alone in those feelings. And that plea, come Lord Jesus, it one day will be met. One day the trumpet will sound, the clouds will part, and down will come Jesus to establish his kingdom. But what Jesus wants his disciples and me and you to know today is that until that moment, the one thing we need to focus on is making sure we're ready making sure we're ready and those around us are ready. I want you to look at how Jesus speaks to his disciples, talking about this time, this time, what we're in now. Jesus, in Matthew 24, 3 through 14, he says, while sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. 
hey, tell us, give us some bonus content, they said. When will all this happen? When, when will the future kingdom come? And what will be the sign of your coming, of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. That's similar to what he said in Luke 17. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and, and will deceive many. A lot will believe, a lot will be duped. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. It's going to get worse before it gets better. This, what we're living in right now is not shocking to God, and it shouldn't be shocking to us. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Just because the world's a mess doesn't mean that's when I'm coming. Nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginnings of the birth pains. That's just what has to happen. Then the disciples will be handed over to be persecuted. Some will be put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. It's going to get worse before it gets better. At that time, though, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other because it's just too hard. Where are you, Jesus? Clearly you don't care. So I quit. I'm out. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, because man's just going to continue to become more sinful, not less sinful, more sinful, the love of most will grow cold. I know Jesus is Lord, but that one, that one sums it up pretty good. The love that we should have for one another, the love of most, is going to grow very cold. But 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who hangs on, the one who stays on mission, the one who remains faithful, the one who clings to the hope that this is not our home, this is not the end, there is a future kingdom coming, there is something better, there is a reward. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In verse 14, and this gospel the good news that Jesus came and died and rose again for you, for your sins, so that you might spend eternity with him. This gospel of the kingdom, the future kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations of my goodness, of my grandeur, of my reign and rule, my kingdom. It will be preached to all nations. And then when that has occurred, and then the end will come. Jesus, why aren't you here? Why aren't you coming back? Because there's still people that need to know the good news of the kingdom of God. Because those who have placed their faith in him and the kingdom resides in you, within your midst, you still have a job to do. There are people out there that don't know the good news of Jesus. And so we wait eagerly and we pray justifiably, come Lord Jesus. And he goes, just finish the job. I'm ready. I'm ready to come back. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Until then, get to work. Letting people know the good news of Jesus and prepare them for his return so that they're not one of those who will mourn at that moment, but instead rejoice. I just wonder, who of you wants the future kingdom? 
Who of you is ready and eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus? Those who are ready are those who have put their faith and their hope in Jesus. I know that. I know that for certain. Those who are saying, come on, Jesus, I'm ready. You're ready because you've put your faith and your hope in him. If you've made that decision, then you are called to stand firm. No matter how bad it gets, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You can't be discouraged by the brokenness of the world. Jesus knew it was going to happen. All we can do is take light and truth into that brokenness. Jesus says, don't lose hope. Stand firm. This is all part of my plan. Pray for strength. Pray for perseverance. Pray for the gospel to go forward so the end can come. Pray those prayers. When you want Jesus to return, then you say, I need you, Jesus, now in this moment to give me strength, and I need you to finish the mission. For those who do not desire the future kingdom, for those of you who do not desire the return of Jesus, you are most likely not ready You're not ready because you have not put your faith in him. But there is good news. Until that trumpet sounds or you breathe your last breath, there's time. There's time for you to put your faith in Jesus. I pray that you do that today. That when you think of the future kingdom, the unexpected future kingdom, you would do so with great hope and joy because your fate is secured by your faith. And you can make that decision today. We don't know when the future kingdom will come, but we all need to be ready for it to come today. Father, I pray that those who are listening today, that they are ready, and those who are not ready would receive the good news of your grace and place their faith in you. And Lord, for those who have done so, that they would hope and persevere, and stand firm to the end. That they would take the mission seriously. That they would bring this unexpected kingdom into a world that desperately needs it. Because Jesus, you dwell in us. Give us power. Give us wisdom. Give us hope and faith. And may we be those who bring love into a world where most have lost it. Please, Jesus, move. It's in your name we pray. Amen.